It's funny. I, I typically have a uh, pad of paper by my nightstand because periodically I will say the Holy Spirit prompts me. Um, maybe I just get a cool idea. And then I will write it down. Well, I went home this afternoon. It had been a long day, and I went to lay down. And as I'm laying there, I go, oh, that is a perfect thing to say to start my sermon tonight. And then now I can't remember it. <laughs> so I'm really sorry. So we're just going to dive into this because you know. So that's really lame. I apologize. But it was really great. I'm just telling you, it was so good. So we know the first part of the story, and we know the whole story. I mean, we know the whole story, um, and, and the elder brother. But boy, we love to rejoice in the, the first three quarters of the story. We love to rejoice in it. And the second one is hard. The second part of it is hard. But I want to examine it a little bit. I thought it was really appropriate for Lent to talk about the elder brother. Um, we can always talk about the lost son, the prodigal son. And just again, little Bible study thing. Prodigal means extravagant. That's what that means. It doesn't mean lost or wayward or wandering. It means extravagant. So it's the, and so I always, I've taught you before that it should really be called the prodigal father, the extravagant father, right? He gives away the inheritance and he shows mercy and not just mercy, but overwhelming grace and gift and forgiveness. Um, but, and so we love to rejoice in that story, that the person who has squandered and has wandered far and as he comes home, the father sees him from a distance and runs to meet him, you know. Uh, we love that story, and it's filled with grace and restoration. The second part of the story, I think, at least for me, and in often in, in talking about it, is a little more troubling. In many ways, I'm afraid what the reason it kind of gnaws at me is I think I'm more like the elder brother. There's too many times I'm kind of like the elder brother. And so I want to, I want to kind of unpack those, those few verses in there because I think there's some really good Lenten thoughts for us because there's a come to the banquet invitation, isn't there? So the older son is still at home, slaving away in the fields, according to his own assessment, which most employees think they're doing. Slaving away. And he hears that something's going on. And so he asks the servant, what's going on? Well, we're having a party. Your younger brother came home, and he's safe and sound. And now he's hacked off. Now he is really ticked. And so isn't, don't you have this great, this great moment that follows in which the father comes out and pleads with him to come to the banquet? And so if keeping in this Wednesday, these, in the middle of Lent, as we take this journey to the cross, there's a whole series of these that we're doing in which God is pleading with us to come to the table. And so you have this scene with an elder brother, this self-righteous and perhaps justified. He's not happy. Because remember how it played out. The younger brother essentially said, Dad, I wish you were dead. Let me have my share. And to be honest, in that culture, he had no share. So it's not just that he gets something. It is extravagant gifting from his father. And then, of course, loses it all. He has a conversion, a repentance experience, and returns home and is welcomed home. 
And so here are the thoughts I wanted to give for you, mostly for reflection. I'm going to finish with some good stuff, with some encouraging stuff. But these first four points, at least as I look in the mirror, I can kind of go, hmm. And I lived with elder brothers, and they were kind of jerks. Because I was 10 years older, 10 years younger, and, 10 and 12, they were 10 and 12 years older than me. So they didn't treat me very well. Because I was spoiled rotten, according to them. <clears throat> so here's the first thing. So I'm going to give you four points here that I think are worth us saying, hmm. And to see if we find anything for which we say, Lord, I seek your grace there. So here's the first one. I think what the older brother has done and that we do sometimes is he forgot that his job was to look out for his younger brother too. He forgot that. Um, it doesn't it go way, way back into Genesis? Am I my brother's keeper? He's a, he can do his own thing. He does his own thing. It's up to him. But don't you think... But that's one of the things God gives us to do in family, to look out for your little brother. Lily, I know you look out for your little brother, and you love him a lot. So I think he forgot that. And so when we forget that, I think, I think that's a call back to us. Return to me, and don't forget, I want you to care for your little brother too. The second one is this. I think that the elder brother... He had a complete misunderstanding of the father's business model. It seems that he thought that the father's business model is that to please the father, he needed to slave and work in the fields all day. And he missed that day after day after day, the father was looking down the road, longing to see his family restored. And so when we forget that, that it's about the restoration of the family, then it is about working the field. The third thing I think that the elder brother forgot is that I'm sure he was convinced, and every once in a while I fall into this trap too, is that my sins are not nearly as bad as that dude's. My sins don't matter as much. Which means that I think I'm better than him and certainly don't need grace as much as he did. And we fail to recognize the Father's economy again, in which in family you don't keep score. The third law point here that I have here that I think the elder brother has a problem with is that he has, in fact, disowned his brother. <clears throat> in fact, in my opinion, he makes the same sin that the younger brother did when he said to his father, I wish you were dead. And so he has, in fact, done the same to his younger brother and written him off. Those are hard words. And I think that Jesus is saying them, who do you think he's speaking to here? And he's speaking to... See, he's not speaking to the tax collectors and the lepers in this part of the story, is he? He's talking to people who go to church all the time or synagogue. He's talking to the people who have in some way figured my account balance is pretty good with the Father. 
And it's not nearly as bad as that dude over there. So here's the good news. Let me give you the three pieces of good news. I love what the Father says. Let me just read the text because it's the best whenever you read the text. My son, think, just hear these words of grace. You are always with me. And everything that I have is yours. In that one sentence alone, you cannot say more gospel. You are always with me. And everything I have is yours. And then I, it's just so good. But we had to celebrate. We're compelled to celebrate. We have no other option than to celebrate. Because this brother of yours, see what he's doing? He's reminding him, you still have a brother. This brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I love it when the father says this brother of yours, because you remember what the elder son said? But when this son of yours comes home, you throw a party. And the father does that brilliant move and says, this brother of yours was dead and now lives. So these three things I hope give you great encouragement. When we think we've lost a lot because the brother took off with the inheritance, we actually lost nothing. We lost nothing and we acquired so much more because we stayed in the Father's house and in the presence of the Father. The second thing is, we have been given the full riches already. Every bit of it is ours today. According to the Father's promise, it's already yours, every bit of it. And the third thing is this, we celebrate when dead people come to life. You know, I, I've been, we've been doing The Chosen, you know, before at 5.30 and stuff and watching it. And I just, I love how they portray a couple times. There's a guy who's sitting by the pool and he's healed after 38 years and he can't walk. And you know what the religious leaders do? So he walks after 38 years. Jesus heals him. And he walks. And the religious leaders come over and go, what are you doing? You're carrying your, your mat on the Sabbath. And then it happens again in John later. And in John, there's a blind man. And he gets healed from, from, from blindness. And the, the religious leaders come to him and say, who did that to you? We know he's a sinner. And you know, you could just see these guys that go, you're mad I'm carrying my mat? I can walk. I can see. My daughter lives again. My leprosy is healed. I'm restored to the community. And so this is the good news for us. We always celebrate when the dead come back to life. We always do when the lost come home. Because we are home already, thanks be to God.